because, because I'm a hot girl. I do hot shit. Welcome to season three of Hot Girl Agenda, the only podcast on the left that asks the hard hitting questions like, are you mad at me? <laughs> Yessie, welcome back to season three. Woo! I'm so happy to see you and to be back. Yes, it was a nice little break we had. We definitely both needed it. And mm-hmm. I'm feeling, well, Yessie, I know you're still under the weather, but um, I feel like uh, spiritually refreshed from that break, in a sense. Totally, so. totally. And I'm ready to start season three. I mean, there's so much cool stuff we can talk about, but I thought it would be fun to kind of ask, you know, our listeners and some of our followers on Twitter, you know, if they had any kind of burning questions for us. So we're doing kind of like a little mini Q&A episode to bring, you know, bring the show back and bring us into the third season so yes god yeah but before that we have to do our weekly ritual <clears throat> our weekly hot girl recap and yesi what was your hot girl shit from this past week yeah so my hot girl shit was um i went on a little trip to visit my partner who lives in the south so it was real cute and we did a little road trip um but okay the caveat here was I got sick, and so, like, I've just been sick the whole time. So it was – I tried to keep it cute, but, like, mostly I was just laying in bed, you know, dying. So – you know, no better test of a partnership, though, than you being sick on vacation and your partner having to kind of take care of you, right? So bonding experience, right? Silver lining, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) But being sick on vacation does suck. I mean, that is – that is It's rough. It is rough. (laughs) Yeah, how about you? What was your what was your hot girl shit? Uh, my hot girl shit. Well, um oh, I went to a tailgate for like the first time ever. Cute, um, cute. Yeah, and I it was not my idea. I was going for a friend and they were like, "I need you to come with me because my sugar daddy's there and I'm going to be super bored if I don't have anybody there but him." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> So I went to this tailgate and um, I forget who was playing. I think it was like Georgia Tech and I don't know. Some football game was going on. It was at Mercedes-Benz. Sports Benz. were happening. Sports were happening around me. I don't know. Um, but it was a football game and it was like right outside Mercedes-Benz uh, is where they were like tailgating. So it was like not even a cool like random tailgate. It was like an official members of Mercedes-Benz tailgate. And it was just like you know, gigantic trucks, um, just douchebags <laughs> for miles. Galore. Yeah, everyone just, uh, their idea of, their idea of tailgating was just bringing, bringing the inside of their houses outside pretty much as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, um, like, the Mercedes-Benz, yeah. like, stadium thing is, like, such a monstrosity. Ugh, it's so ugly. <laughs> it's so ugly. And it, it, like, clashes so deeply with Atlanta's, like, geographic landscape. I'm just like, it's why so couldn't ugly. you make something beautiful? It looks like, you know what it looks like? It looks like a piece of trash in, like, the first GTA. Like, just, like, super <laughs> angular, like, pixelated. Like, just, it's not like, rendered fully. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how it felt walking around the tailgate um, with, like, a bunch of people that it felt like they weren't rendered fully as human beings because it was (laughs) (laughs) very bizarre culture. And I was like, I I talked to my friend. I was like, so I see, like, lots of people barbecuing. Like, so at the tailgate, do people walk around and make friends and, like, give each other food and drinks? And she's like, no, not really. You just stay at your own tailgate and you invite your friends. And I'm like this is the most white people shit I could have thought of. Like, I know. you go and you bring a bunch of food and drinks, but you're like, no, just me and my friends, not you at the so other weird. tents. So bizarre, <laughs> right? So I, I was just like, wow, that's like a super lame version of like a block party or, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. a fiesta <laughs> or like a right, block fiesta. Right. And I was like, yeah, this was an interesting experience. I went to like two di- different tailgates in the same vicinity um, there was like a premium, like a premium spot for the tailgate. So which wasn't even a tailgate. It was just like a bunch of tents set up and they, it was like 
some rich person was having like a surprise engagement party. So some people I never met before whose tent <laughs> I was sitting under eating all their food and drinking their yeah. drinks got engaged like right in front of me. And I was like, wow, this is neat. This is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was very interesting, um, but I would not do it again uh, because there was really no way for me to be at a party like that comfortably without being drunk. And that's just not fun for me anymore. <laughs> Damn dog. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, that was some hot girl shit uh, because I did, um, I did witness a pretty great thing with my friend. She was really mad at her uh, SD, and he was like, "What do, what do I have to do to make you not mad at me? What do I have to do?" And she was like, "You need to give me and Rara a hundred dollars each right now." And she, ah! he like pulled out his. I was just sitting there on my no! phone, and he pulled out his wallet and he gave us each a hundred dollar bill, and I was like. I am like so happy for you and also just like amazed at how wrapped around her finger this guy was. It was pretty great. (laughs) That's fucking incredible. Yeah. And I was like, well, this was worth it coming out today. But I got got to see my friend. I got to see my friend and I got to get paid $100 for literally uh, you hanging out. So it's always uh, hot girl (laughs) shit for making money for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my shit. Um. Pretty interesting, pretty interesting weekend. So, yeah, let's get into some Q&A stuff. Um, I kind of put this together last minute because I didn't want the um, the whole episode to be me venting about organizing stuff. I wanted to have some. Although we will get to that. We will definitely get to that. Uh, But let's just dive right into it. So let's see. So the first question is from Brandon. Brandon from Not Safe for Wonks. Hey, what's up? Our uh, what is it? Our uncle. (laughs) Media collective. <laughs> I keep forgetting. I, I keep wanting to say parent, parent but I'm like, <laughs> we're baby. Um, we're baby. <laughs> uh, so Brandon from Not Safe for Wonks asked, "Is streaming podcasting becoming more or less important? And do you worry about podcast or Zoom fatigue?" Yesy, why don't that's you take a, us away? Yeah, that's a really great, great question. I think. Okay, so here's the here's the fucking thing. Is like. Our media, like mainstream media, is so deeply um, controlled by capital that I think that um, alternative forms of like discursive spaces are are actually really important. So like not to like elevate the role of a podcaster because, you know, at the end of the day, we're just creating content for entertainment. Right. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, having more voices, I think I think is important. I, and I think the type of voices is also really important um, because there are some podcasts that are doing like really thoughtful, um, engaging content, well-researched content. And then there are, you know, other podcasts that are elevating voices that we don't often hear from, perspectives that we don't often hear from, kind of like ours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so overall, I would say that the trend for like podcasting and, stre- and streaming too, I, I think generally it's, it's important to have those voices. Um, as far as fatigue, I guess I can answer it two ways. Fatigue for us as like makers, as creators, I think that's very real. Um, we're still spending so much of our time online and mm-hmm. so much of our time engaging with people um, through the medium of like video or text or whatever. So, so I think that that's really real. And then for our, our like audiences, like for the people who like support us, our supporters, like I would say that, yeah, a little bit too. So like the, our job is to make sure that we're providing shit that's, that's varied, that's uplifting and that, you know, that at the end of the day makes people, you know, not spiral. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. What do you think, Rara? Yeah. I, I'd say streaming and podcasting, I don't think it's, you know, becoming more or less important. I think it's as important now as it ever, you know, let me let me rephrase this. I think podcasting and streaming is just as important as when it, you know, first gained popularity. And I think it's going to continue to be important because people learn and people are entertained in various ways. And I think providing different kinds of media, uh, whether Uh it's, you know, visual or audio um, or a good mix of both is like really crucial because, you know, it, it is 
not everyone listens to podcasts, right? Not everyone right. gets their information that way or and not everyone can pay attention to them or has the attention span for them um, or can absorb the information that way. Um, uh-huh. So I think it's good for any creators out there to really explore multimedia and to explore the different ways they can present their content. And yeah, I think it's just as important as ever, honestly. Um, I think podcast fatigue is real, man. And I I don't worry about it because I've already experienced it. Yeah. And I'd say the, if you're a creator out there and you're experiencing that kind of fatigue or you're just, you know, someone that's in Zoom meetings all day, um, it you know, it's going to happen, but it's really about kind of recognizing the onset of it and like, you know, identifying the markers of it and totally. and giving yourself a break. It's so easy to get pushed into this hyper productive mindset as a content creator, as a podcaster, mm-hmm. or as just any kind of like any kind of person that's making, uh, you know, something that you're trying to show to a large audience. Um, it's super important to take breaks. The people that like your content, the people that support you will understand. You just have to kind of mm-hmm. communicate when you need to take those breaks so they don't feel abandoned and like, hey, what right. the fuck happened? So as long as you communicate that you need breaks, you are obviously allowed to feel that no matter what. But if you're worried about keeping your momentum going, um, which is something that I've struggled with a lot with this podcast is keeping the momentum up, you know, um, if you're worried about that express it to people. Humanizing ourselves is a great way to bring more understanding to totally. uh, artists and creators in general. So we need to kind of step back from the hyperproductive fake it till you make it model mm-hmm. of doing everything and be like, hey, we're real people behind this and we have real lives other than this. And mm-hmm. we're not going to pretend that everything's hunky-dory and in the meantime, we're falling apart, you know? So yeah. Right. So another good question that ties into this is, other than money, what are the most important things that things that keep the show going and how can people help with those? That is a really good question. Um, there are a bunch of things. I think the first thing um, that comes to mind is just like, tell your friends about the show. Help us help us spread the word about the show. Like mm-hmm. the more people know about the show, like the bigger it grows and our community grows. And that that's the kind of engagement and traction that really helps us. So when you retweet episodes for us, when you share them with your friends, Tell your mom about us. I bet your mom would love us. We do great with moms um, so and daddies. Good with moms. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your daddy about us. No, um, yeah, just spreading the word is really important. What else, Rara? Yeah, I'd say engaging with the stuff we post. Um, mm-hmm. Likes are great, but comments are good too. Like when we put yeah. out an episode and we have like an episode post on Twitter or Instagram, drop a comment in the in that post um, that's promoting the episode and say, hey, I really like it when you guys talked about this or hey, I really liked it when y'all did this or hey, here's something I noticed or by the way, introducing us to people that would be good for interviews like other organizers that are doing important work is also uh-huh. so critical because we're trying mm-hmm, to expand mm-hmm. the organizing network and we're trying to get people's projects recognized. And in order to do that, we need your help because we don't know everybody. I mean, the organizing community, you know, it can feel very insular at times, but at other times, you know, I'll meet another person in like Atlanta that's been in Atlanta the same amount of time I have. And mm-hmm. I've just never met them before. And they're doing something very similar to me. So you never know who we may or may not know. But really just engaging with the content and telling us what you like about it. Because that helps us a lot. And while we're not going to, you know, take every single suggestion about. Right. But it, it is helpful for us to to know what listeners are enjoying so that we can keep doing it. So, right. yeah. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it's it's a bitch of social media is a fucking bitch and algorithms are a bitch. So and and you as a savvy listener know those things. So you I think you can kind of figure out from there, you know, what you'd like to do to help, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or Mm -hmm. in your own personal networks or Discord or whatever. Just however you feel like you want to promote us. Oh, also reviewing our podcast on iTunes will help bump us up in the ratings, even if it's just saying, I like the way uh, Yessie did their hair today. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. No, but seriously. Yeah, leave a comment, review us, rate us. Yeah, even if it's All a good, don't, don't bad review us. But yeah. I mean, if that's how you feel, I mean, yeah. go ahead. Share your truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, here's another good one. Okay, so who have you not met but want to meet? Oh, my God. 
That's that's a really good question. Like, do they mean on the show or mm. like? I guess we can answer it a bunch of different ways. But yeah, gosh, well, I have an answer for a real life one. I, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, definitely won't be able to get him on the show. But uh-huh. is someone I want to meet? Uh, you know, before before they die. <laughs> <laughs> as morbid but i want to meet i know this is cliche but i want to meet bernie sanders like, yeah that's I, a good one you know he he is the catalyst for a lot of people's organizing uh-huh. um in recent years and just seeing all the fuckery in congress the past couple weeks mm. it's really amazing that he has managed to survive decades and decades of this bullshit and still have like his integrity intact and still have a pretty strong moral compass and is pretty much like doing the same shit he said he was going to do for years and years and years. And I really admire him a lot for that. And just off the top of my top of the dome. Uh, yeah. And he's getting older. Like, you know, yeah. I just I want to meet yeah. him before he goes because it's like he's, you know, he's a politician and I'm obviously not a stan of politicians. Right. But right. he is a very interesting figure and I think just a genuinely nice person. So, yeah. Bernie, come on the show. Bernie, come on the show. Talk come about on. your hot girl shit. <laughs> yeah. Hot girl Bernie. Um, someone I would really like to meet but haven't met yet, I think. God, that is uh, yours was really good. My brain is not working right now. Let me let me ruminate over it, and I, okay, I know I'm going to interject randomly. At no, a it's cool. Point. It's cool because that was just the first one that came to the top of my head. I really didn't um, think about any of these questions ahead of time, which I probably should have. Okay, so what's the culture in 2022? This is all Brandon's questions, by the way. I love it. Well, all <laughs> what's right, the culture. Again, this is very open to interpretation. The culture. The culture is... I'm going to be like co-star and say things like do, uh, mayonnaise, (laughs) hot water, and mood lighting. Don't. Ferns, uh, jeggings, and carbonated water. Sharp edges. Yeah, right? No, no. Fucking co-star. Okay, real quick, let's let's put a pin in this question because I just want to say co-star, like if you were a person, it'd be on site. Co-star, co-star the astrology app. The astrology app drags yes. me so hard <laughs> every day. I'm in an abusive relationship with CoStar. No, I, I'm kidding. I had um, to delete that because it was a little bit too on the nose sometimes. And it was really freaking yeah, me out. And I was yeah. like, I don't like how accurate this is. And I know, you know, everyone says that. But it's like, it, it's a little bit weird. Um, yeah. And I, I was just a little bit uncomfortable with how, how real it got. A little a too there. incisive. So yeah. 2022, I think astrology is still going to be the culture i think mm-hmm. listen i think that and and i feel like we say this a lot but i i think that we're moving towards we're moving towards points where we have to make decisions um that are going to be really difficult as people as communities i see moment like i see quote unquote revolution which i hate to use that word but revolution in a broad sense like radical change um as a process of becoming not an, a, a tangible moment and I mm-hmm. think that we are continuing to become the conditions are continuing to become ripe for some like substantive radical change mm-hmm. um, I also see uh, wide pants continuing like we'll still do some wide pants looks yes! uh, which I am happy about great because I bought like three pairs this summer and I'm not ready for that trend to end anytime soon me neither me neither we love to see it i'm really hoping uh crop tops for men is part of 2022 let's go let's go let's bring all the hackers looks into rotation again yes hard yes on all that um what is the culture for 2022 well i think along with what you said yes because those are very great points that revolution is a process of becoming i love that that's so fucking true but i think that in 2022 there are going to be kind of stronger as far as like revolutionary politics go um, I think there are going to be stronger divides between groups I kind of foresee more splits and fractures along DSA uh, Uh contingencies because we are kind of seeing as we will go over later when we discuss the DSA uh, North Star blog um, that People are not going to be quite as unified under the DSA flag anymore, at least, you know, I mean, there have been splits and fractures all along the way um, Uh since 
you know, since before Bernie. But I think that those are going to get stronger. And I think there's going to be a lot of splintering off from DSA um, if we do not fix the deep, deep structural and cultural issues that are ongoing with it. And I think that organizing is going to be a, become, in a sense, a lot more localized because we're seeing mm-hmm. that, um, you know, big national organizations, that big NGOs that kind of represent national interests are kind of falling out of favor. Um, right. We're seeing the contradictions in that. I think uh, Kenzo Shibata just actually released a really great uh, podcast about um, how, you know, NGOs kind of wear down social justice movements and stuff like that. I- Absolutely. And I encourage anyone to go check out the Class Time podcast. It's also on pretty much every platform. Um, And Kenzo has great analysis along those lines. Um, And also, you know, we're seeing the hypocrisy of NGOs as well, because I mean, I just got an email from the Southern Poverty Law Center's union that's trying that's struggling to recognize be recognized as a union Uh uh, because of their wages and their working conditions. So this is this is a union within Southern Poverty Law Center, the the NGO that's supposed to be fighting poverty, you know, right in the South. And their workers unionize because they are facing horrible conditions there or they're struggling to be recognized as a union. So we we are going to be seeing a lot of fracturing off from NGOs and where those people go will, I think, be a lot more localized. Definitely. And I think that that's kind of a good thing in a sense, because this is a gigantic fucking country. Even within states, there are so many different um, cities and towns and areas where you know, DSA doesn't have the answers or is not nimble enough to move through those communities and get things done. Uh So I think localizing efforts is going to be really big in 2022. As far as fashion trends go, I think we're going to see a lot more rejection of uh, fast fashion. I, and that and that's a good thing because there's so much evidence out there about how bad fast fashion is and I think there's going to be a move away from influencers that are you know doing these like shine hauls and uh, or sheen hauls and you know uh, fashion nova hauls of like thousands of dollars with the clothes at a time um, because I think opulent wealth is just not going to be anywhere near as popular as it was like five years ago I mean uh-huh. we're kind of already seeing that with celebrities like Justin Bieber showing up to sh- you know the VMAs looking like fucking absolute stoner <laughs> bombs and yeah and uh, rich people wanting to look like poor people so I think part yeah I think the trend is going to be kind of of a more again I think 90s hacker slash rich people trying to look broke so like the rich people trying to look broke thing like I think about that a lot because of Balenciaga mm-hmm. um their whole thing which drives me up the fucking wall is um is uh you know like let's do those like polyester blanket bags with as like luxe totes or let's do crocs as like fashion shoes you know <laughs> so I, I i don't know like i i really hate that one i really hate yeah. that one but i think you're right I think you're definitely right. Yeah. Balenciaga also had a Fortnite drop that was very disappointing. They could have done so much with it and it looked so fucking bland. And I just want to like slap whoever thought you're you're making fashion for a video game. You're making skins for a video game. Like, why wouldn't you make it like completely out of extraterrestrial, like cool, like sculptural. And it's just like basically streetwear. And really lame streetwear at that. So Balenciaga, do better. Yeah, come on. That's going to be the title of the episode, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on, because we want to get to this. Uh, Can y'all explain in your own words, and this is from uh, Paul on Twitter. Can y'all explain in your own words why Michaels is the hot and cool girl alternative to Hobby Lobby? Uh, Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, love this question, first of all, because it is. Besides mm-hmm. the fact that Hobby Lobby is a business owned by fundamentalist right-wing Christians. Artifact have, stealers. Uh, yes, artifact stealers who have pillaged uh, sites to steal uh, religious artifacts. I would say that, first of all, Michael's has a way better selection. It's far more organized. Their product is still, like, very, like, home goods, Christian girl, fall chic. But they also have, like, a lot of really interesting and 
other stuff so you can create and craft um, mm-hmm. uh, really cool stuff on your own that doesn't fall into that aesthetic. Their staff's really nice. And finally, their framing department is also very, very nice and very, very helpful. It's expensive, but if you need something framed, they will do what you can. Um, and it's really cool. And they try to get you the best deal. That is my pro Michaels rant. Hell yeah. And I just want to add my ca- caveat. I don't go to Michaels as often as I go to Joann's only because Joann's. it's closer and it's right next to this gigantic used bookstore. And I love Joann's. Joann's is adorable. The ladies that work there are always so sweet to me. Yeah. And I always just go in with all my tattoos looking crazy And they're always just super polite to me. I love it. And I also go to some local art supply stores just because I like, you know, I I am kind of a lib when it comes to buying art supplies. And I'm like, I will buy the slightly more expensive option to support a small art supply store, you know. Yeah. And uh, another store that if if you're in a town that maybe doesn't have like independent stores, uh, Artist Craftsman Supply is a is a national store, but it's it's independently owned. Like each one is independently owned, and they operate kind of like kind of like Ace Hardware. Oh. Um, where so so the the folks who own it are local, and they just. It's it's not quite a franchise model. I think it's like um it's more of like a like a collective uh ownership model, I think is what it is. Um so it's a it's a good alternative if you don't have like smaller independent stores. Hell yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so moving on. And this one's from Paul Byron of Gay Space Communism Cast. <laughs> uh, also a Not Safe for Wonks Network. I swear I wasn't, I was just reading them off Twitter, y'all. So The gang. Uh, the gang, the whole gang's here. Um, do you have any yeah. funny, catty, or insightful takes on the topic of live performance in the age of contagion, both now and as we push further into the slow apocalypse? Fuck. I guess well, I'm gonna let you take this one first, Rara, because you are a, a comedian and performer. I was gonna say, yeah, I think this was a, a slightly more directed towards me, but I will, I, I will answer it. Yeah, I, you know, it was a lot easier to answer this question, like to have a hot take when we were in quarantine and I saw people performing at live show, you know, live indoor shows during quarantine and when we didn't have vaccines. But it's like we have vaccines now. A lot of shows are requiring people to show um, vaccine cards. A lot of venues are doing Uh that now. And I think that is probably the safest way you can do it. I'd say if you're a performer and you're grappling with these issues, I don't I don't have an easy answer for you. It's really going to be your own comfort level, your own safety level at this point. Uh-huh. It, because, you know, if you I mean, and this is this goes for people that are vaccinated, obviously, that their circles right. are va- their circles, their pods are vaccinated. Um, so it's less risky in that sense, I think. But I, I want to say, like, if you are one of these assholes that started comedy during quarantine, I don't think you should be booked on any shows. Mm-hmm. I, I would I wouldn't fucking book people that were performing during quarantine before we got the vaccine because uh, nobody's fucking three minute stand up set is more important than public safety and public health. Um, so that's my hottest take about that. And I said that last year. But I think as it is right now, it's kind of it is kind of an individual thing for live performers. I'd say if you're going out and you're risking um, your health for bucket spots, don't fucking do that. It's not worth Mm-mm. it. Nobody cares. The people going to comedy shows right now are not going to make you famous. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, your three minute bucket spot is not helping your career. I don't I wouldn't do it. It's just not worth it to me. But yeah, uh, Yessie, do you have any anything to add? No, I think that was, that covers it all. It just seems like really irresponsible, you know, and not really not really the best the best use of one's time. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we're going to kind of skip some of this other stuff. Uh, we're going to skip like one of these last questions. And then, Yessie, you, uh, we got hit up with somebody in our DM. Yeah. In our DM. We got hit up on our DMs, yeah, finally. Yeah, yeah. Um- so, so we've got friends in high places and NPC member Aaron uh, slid in our DMs and asked if we would ask y'all whether or not you would like to wear, if you're a DSA member, uh, a, a, a DSA shirt that says Democratic Socialists of America in the Sopranos font with, of course, the the R's being uh, guns there, um, pistols. And then it says at the bottom, Ogni Cosa y Cosa Nostra. So, <laughs> uh, well, since so this you, is the least Italian podcast on the left, you're going to have to translate yeah. that for me. Uh, I don't fucking know. Some, <laughs> does someone know what that means? Like, going to be a real hot girl here? Like, what does that even what, mean? What? Um, We're going to find out later. Yeah. And it's going to be something super obvious. 
I know, I know. So in in the spirit of uh, DSA being more like organized crime, more like a mafia, would you want a Sopranos font uh, DSA shirt? Um, sound off. Let us know. They actually look kind of sick. I would, I would wear that. Do you, like, have, do you I have a picture? Yeah, I, um, I sent it to you in, uh, oh, in shit. your DMs on Twitter. It is DSA in red, and then uh, the rest of the, the rest of the font is in white with with the pistol R. Okay, I'm bringing it up um, and I'm gonna put it on screen so we can have. Some, yeah, put it on screen. Which, by the way, we're doing video content, video content yeah. all day. Okay, let's see. All this. day, baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it too. I just so I'm like I'm like um, I'm conflicted because I it, yeah. it's so hokey to wear DSA uh, merch out and about, but it is pretty badass, and I would buy that, yeah. and I would rock it. Cons: It's DSA merch. Hmm. Pro: It's got guns on it, so that's pretty. Sick. And it's a Sopranos reference, which I love. Um, which I love too. So, Aaron, thank you for that question, and the answer from us is yes, yes, yes. A thousand yeah, times, hell yes. yeah. Well, that was fun. That was cute. Uh, <laughs> so um, should we talk about the DSA North Star blog, like, kind of briefly? Or... Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So um, anyone that's been following the news, we didn't do an episode about it because it was kind of happening during our break. But Congress just passed that huge uh, funding bill. I think it mm-hmm. passed... What did it pass? Like, 149 to 9 or something? Um, it was, it's right here. It, it was something much smaller, much, sm- uh, like more disparate than that. 420 to 9. Um, oh, yeah. I was, for, I don't know why I said 149. Yeah. I, I know how many Congress members there are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, so it, it passed, um, overwhelmingly so. And the big controversy that people were pointing to, even though a lot of people voted, a lot of people that shouldn't have voted yes on this, you know, so-called progressives voted yes. The person that drew the most ire for it was obviously AOC because of her present vote, which she switched last minute from no. And there was speculation that Nancy Pelosi was involved somehow in maybe, you know, kind of pointing out that she was going to be redistricted, redistricted. So she might want to reconsider it. It was a combination of things that pissed people off about her actions in particular. Her switching from a no to present vote very last minute. Her crying on the House floor right, right after it was passed just crying. And then her really weak ass, super long apology letter that she put out on uh, her social media. I think it was like the next day, basically not oh explaining fucking anything, not explaining why a present vote would have been better than a no vote. Um, and uh-huh. basically just really weakly being like, if you think I'm a coward, that's okay. Like, just like shit like that. So it was a combination of behaviors and actions from her that really pissed people off. And uh, the people that were already hyper fixating on her fixated even more on it. Um, right. Even though another DSA member, Jamal Bowman, voted yes for <laughs> the legislation. Yeah, Jesus fucking Christ. <sighs> Jamal Bowman, who is kind of like the face of the Green New Deal for schools campaign that's going on uh, for DSA right now. So... Basically, the NPC had to come out with like a a letter condemning the actions of the two DSA members that did it, AOC and and Bowman. And Uh North Star Caucus a couple days ago put out their blog post that was saying that they oppose and reject the statement of the NPC for criticizing our comrades and leaders, AOC and Jamal Bowman, uh, for their votes for the Iron Dome legislation. The statement betrays a fundamental misunderstanding of how to make a real political change and of the role of legislative work by elected representatives in that process. I'm not going to read the whole fucking thing because it's just a lot of word salad. Because in Mm -hmm. my understanding, North Star has never met a Democrat they wouldn't go to bat for. Yeah, they're like the oldest of guards, politically speaking, just holding on to those defeatist Harringtonian values that just like don't really exist in the org anymore. Like, sorry about it. Like, shit changes and y'all need to get with the times or just fucking roll over. Like, yeah, man, I don't know how I don't know how you can call yourself an anti-imperialist. And maybe a lot of people on here in this caucus don't identify as anti-imperialist. But this is kind of why I believe there's going to be more fractures in DSA 
USA and more people just completely uh-huh. leaving is because I I can't see any anti-imperialist and any Palestinian comrades and right. anyone who's, you know, a person who's co- being colonized currently uh-huh. being able to call somebody that signed this blog like a comrade, you know, right. and... You know, DSA is having funding problems right now. They've been pre- oh, yeah. they've been pretty open about it. And this is the kind of thing along with excusing the actions of DSA members AOC and Jamal Bowman when they vote like shit. Uh-huh. These are the kinds of things that turn marginalized people away and the more right. radical revolutionary elements of our group away and we lose those people permanently. Right, exactly. <sighs> Yeah, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I don't know what your experience with Red Star or North Star is in um, your neck of the woods. Yeah, I yeah, I don't have tons of experience with them. They're not super prevalent here on the West Coast. But um, I, I do want to point out the fact that, like, their statement is so convoluted. Like, on the one hand, on the one hand, it, it like, supports, like, it, it tries to talk about how this is high-level strategy. But it also points out the fact that, the vote was going to pass anyway, so it was largely symbolic. But if it was largely symbolic, shouldn't fucking socialists vote to, to against it? To symbolically oppose sim- genocide? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And I, I, I am I'm very disappointed. You know, like I, I I see a lot of potential in DSA, but when there is no regulation of, of this kind of behavior um, with this kind of thinking that doesn't support what what most members of DSA think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I just feel like these few dumbasses are going to are going to drag down the organization and, and any potential that it actually has. Yeah, I, I strongly agree. And I know that there's a lot of conflicting um, ideas of how to deal with people that are so clearly against the things that we passed because we passed a resolution and to support BDS, we passed a resolution that was pro-Palestine. So what the fuck uh-huh. do you do? I mean, that's why I was very critical of DSA National when they, you know, when the NPC put out this statement uh, saying that they rejected uh-huh. the, like they they denounced the voting of AOC and Jamal Bowman. I was like, okay, but what are you going to do about it? And I know, right. and I know that this is a really hard question to grapple with for the NPC. But what they really need to consider is that: Do you want to continue plastering these people on our national literature? Um, right. And in, in my case, in my chapter's literature, uh, for yeah. some reason we have AOC in our freaking chapter literature. I don't don't know why. Um, Woof. Yeah, it's real irritating. And uh, do you, do we want to continue to just give a thumbs up to our elected leaders that vote like this, uh, despite everybody in our, you know, despite the majority of our group saying that they're not OK with this? And like, what does it mean that we're not, you know, what does it mean to be held accountable by our uh-huh. membership? You know, because right. I, I think that this is an expulsion worthy offense for both AOC and Jamal Bowman because DSA National can say all they want about denouncing stuff. But in reality, we do not have the power to hold these people accountable. Mm -hmm. So if we are pro-Palestine and they are voting to continue genocide in Palestine, then what the fuck are we doing? What is the point of us? So I know that this is not something that the NPC was necessarily prepared for. Um, I think that it blindsided some people and a lot of people, Uh actually, that were really going to bat for AOC and Jamal Bowman. But I think we need to fucking we just need to ovary up. We need to nut up and we need to fucking like we need to drop the hammer on people that are not falling in line politically with our fucking vision because that's what's happening. You know, right. Right. There's no room like and this is the thing that frustrates me the most about like our electoral program in DSA is that it it lacks vision for true power. We front load all of these resources into into getting these motherfuckers elected. Mm -hmm. But there's just no plan of accountability after the fact. Right. There's no leverage. We're just giving away our labor. Right. And 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 it's just like I'm sorry. Go ahead. I did not mean to. No. No, 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 it's fine. It's just like at a fucking certain point, like how much have you lost the plot if you if you don't realize that you're literally not building power here? Mm-hmm. It fucking sucks. It does suck. And our organization as a whole needs to divest 
from this stranglehold of electoralism because it is not the way forward. It is taken up so much air in the past like four years and it's it's not the way forward. It's just not it, you know? It's not the vibe. <laughs> it's not the vibe out there. And it's like, if we're no different from the fucking Democrats, uh, why, why should people join us? Right. Why should people join us? We keep losing. We keep losing the plot and we keep losing politicians to the fucking machine. So why keep going yeah. after this shit? You know, um, and that's kind of like what leads me into kind of what I want to talk about with DSA today with uh, my chapter, um, because uh-huh. one of our Patreon subscribers, Ryan, shout out to Ryan for, you know, bringing up this very thoughtful question. Ryan wanted, well, it's not really a question, more of an ask, but Ryan asked that I talk more about, um, among other things, my organizing efforts uh, and my organizing efforts with work. And I will tell you what's going on with my organizing efforts with work. Absolutely nothing. And the reason is, is because for the past three years of my life, my organizing has been all Atlanta DSA. Yeah. And what does that mean for me now? I don't know because I sunk three years of my life into being a DSA organizer. And I truly truly thought that I could structurally impact some of these processes, um, especially as a harassment grievance officer. Um, sure. Which I, you know, I was, a, I've been a harassment grievance officer since I think it was February 2020. And I, uh-huh. I did not want that role initially. It, I, I took it along with uh, two other steering committee members at the time because nobody wanted to do it because it's a shit right. job that nobody wants to do. And it's a shit process. And it's a process that was designed by a fucking HR department to be as secretive and to be as basically not rock the boat uh, in public ways. So it is a it's a a pretty fucked up process. It's really demoralizing for everybody involved, even when it goes the way it should. And I did that job since February of last year. But for three years in DSA organizing, I've been focusing on DSA as an org and I have gotten zero workplace organization done. And (laughs) the project that I was involved with earlier this year completely fell through and is basically dead in the water through reasons I can't even talk about right now because I literally have no idea. There's been zero communication from the people that brought me into the project. So that's that's what's happening. And so this past week has been incredibly demoralizing. Um, We also just went through our Atlanta DSA's steering committee elections, which were incredibly demoralizing as well. Right. Because I stepped down as HGO a couple weeks ago, like I think three weeks ago. And Uh I I just couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't do it. I was like, I'm not, I feel 0% good about doing this anymore. And a big reason was not because of the workload. And it wasn't because I was over, like I was overwhelmed by it. But it was because I encourage people to explore conflict openly and to be direct with the people they're in conflict with, with with their comrades and and to listen to each other and, and learn from each other. And I can't do my job when people in our own steering committee are going around subtweeting community organizers and that's so and going shitty. into group chats and being fucking shit libs in the group chats and being white saviors in the group chats and co-opting local movements mm-hmm, mm-hmm. under the DSA. Let me banner. fucking say something. Let me fucking say something. First of all, Rara, I'm so fucking sorry that you went through that. But this is a problem that is rampant in like almost virtually every chapter in this goddamn org. Listen up fucking white people, especially white people who like think that they're doing some high level organizing by being fucking wreckers in their chapter to push their caucuses agenda or whatever the fuck. Listen, you pieces of shit. You're not high level organizers. What you are doing is fucking up potential to build an actual uh, working class movement. You are pieces of shit. You are doing lib shit antics. You are not advancing anything, not even your own fucking goals. You're just being a wrecker and you should quit and go under a rock or go back to your slime hole or whatever the fuck because you are doing nothing. Yeah. And I'm talking to people and all of those people in every fucking chapter and I'm I'm talking to people like if you think I'm talking about you, I fucking am. (laughs) I fucking am. 
Yeah, and seriously, like, this is not just coming out of nowhere. When multiple BIPOC organizers come to me and say, why is so-and-so from DSA in these group chats trying to, you know, like, trying to encourage us to go do this canvas? Like, why, uh-huh. why are they... Like, why are they telling us to go to a different neighborhood to canvas for them? Like, why aren't they coming here to us? Or like, why is this white person coming in and trying to order people around or saying, we got to do this, this and this and, and not listening to BIPOC residents and BIPOC community organizers? When I hear rumors from other organizers outside of DSA that they're wary of That's our members whenever they come to organize with them, who the fuck wins from that? That's not just a difference of political opinion. You are causing tremendous Mm -hmm. fucking harm. And I was really hoping to return to the chapter as HGO under radically different leadership. And that's not the case after those last elections. It's more of the same. Uh And in some ways, it's actually worse. There's a couple of people on steering that I'd still be willing to work with um, that, that are comrades. But... I can't Uh do my fucking job as organizer of DSA when I have no faith in the leadership. I don't think that they've ever taken me seriously when I've brought up the cultural, when we all brought up cultural issues that need to be addressed. When you post something in Slack about these cultural issues and then a contingency of people in a certain caucus spam the channel with their stuff so your post gets buried so nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. So it's a passive aggressive like way of shutting down any potential conversation that could happen about it. When I try to do workshops on conflict resolution and I go on podcasts and I talk about restorative mm-hmm. justice mm-hmm. and then I turn around and the people that are supposed to be fucking leaders are doing the exact opposite of what I have suggested and what is proven to be good for organizing and and our community as a whole. I can't in good conscience ask people to join us and I can't in good conscience continue to be associated with it. So I have basically, I'm not quitting, but I'm canceling my local dues and I am reevaluating exactly what it means for me to be in DSA. And I think that there's probably still places that I could be helpful. I'm kind of waiting to hear back from some comrades about maybe things I could be working on with them. But truthfully, that's why I haven't yeah. done any workplace yeah. organizing, among other things. Yeah. It's just like, it, it breaks my heart, Yessie. I, I've been a communist since I was 16. And my dream, my dream before I moved stateside was like to find a communist party, to find to find like-minded people yeah. and to find an organization to be a part of, to build up and to be a part of a real revolutionary movement and for me to be here for three years and to see it all backsliding despite so many people's efforts because it's not just me you know I I wouldn't be making these statements if it was just me lots of people have quit our chapter (laughs) like too many people have quit our chapter in just frustration and being just exasperated you know and being just run down and I don't see that trend changing and I predict that if it keeps going like this that we will not have a chapter next year um or that chap the chapter will be even whiter and yeah. even more um non-representative yeah. of God, atlanta I'm so as a sorry whole. That so really fucking sucks yeah that's kind of where i'm at right now and it really fucking sucks uh-huh yeah so i'm kind of like it's weird because i i was you know my boyfriend's out of town right now but i called him up and i was just super upset the other night i was describing to him how i how it felt you know like uh-huh. to see all this go down um because the steering committee elections were really my last the last chance i was going to give it w- for my chapter and so when that when that died it, yeah. it really feels like grief and he's like yeah it sounds like what you're going through is grief and I was like yeah I am going through grief already too because you know my great auntie died of COVID a couple weeks ago and I'm so sorry yeah and it's just been fucking weird you know it's been weird and so this feels like the death of my involvement in DSA and and it really fucking sucks I just don't know where I belong in the movement anymore but the important thing because I don't want to leave people on like a fucked up hopeless note it's that because I I was feeling demoralized I was feeling jaded and I was Uh feeling hopeless but you know what there are so many ways to organize there's so many ways so many ways and I was like you know what I'm going to take 
take I was going to just initially take like a month long break. And that was like September was my month long break from organizing. But I think I'm going to do another month of really soul searching and trying to figure out what it is I need to be doing next. But in the meantime, I'm going to be one of the people that supports my organizing comrades. Good. Um, in any way possible. And I think I think that's where I belong right now mm-hmm. because I have a lot of friends doing really important work and they need help boosting it and they need help, you know, just being emotionally supported in their endeavors. So that's kind of my role as a support system right now. But if anyone else has been feeling this way or if anyone else has experienced this kind of dejection, mm-hmm. I just want you to know that you're not alone and it's completely normal for when something you do fails in an organizing capacity to take a step back and evaluate what you did right, what you did wrong, what you want to do next, what are your values right now, where do you think you'd be most effective and most respected importantly because if you are in a space where you're not feeling respected or heard, it's not benefiting you or the movement to stay in that situation. So I want to end it on a good note because even though I'm really sad and I'm grieving. I I still feel hopeful. Like yeah. I still I have so many there's so many people out there doing incredible work and all you have to do is pick something. And for me, it becomes about picking the right thing for me so I don't spend another 3 years kind of just digging a hole. Yeah. <laughs> digging a hole that goes nowhere. So, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. And I just wanted to talk about that a little because I don't want to put all this shit on the timeline where it can be taken out of context. Right. I'd rather people hear it from me directly. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to just put everybody on blast that I don't like in the steering committee or my totally. chapter. Totally. Because I don't think that's productive either, but there's definitely people that are protected by DSA structures and it's not the BIPOC organizers at all. Right. It's not and it's not the radical ones anyway. It's not Agreed. the anti-capitalist ones. Right. I agree. So yeah. But anyway, we're almost to the end of our time. Yessie, do you want to like close us out with a Patreon plug, even though it's it's kind of a weird segue. But, you know, I I just we're doing so much cool stuff this season. I'm Uh actually going to start. I think I'm going to start streaming again on Twitch. And we're going to start putting out. uh, I want to start doing more video series and putting out more video stuff for all our visual people out there. So we we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming up. And, you know, like your support, your support anyway by lifting us up is super helpful but when you subscribe to our patreon that's literally like pays for the time that it takes to do this pays for the time to create the content for rara to edit the content all of that stuff we've got some uh really great content on our patreon both video and uh exclusive podcasts and sometimes we put other stuff up we're still at two tiers right three and five yes we are three at three and five Uh and we have like 45 patrons right now which shout out to y'all doing amazing we're doing a lot with this we're i'm going to be starting uh weekly blog posts so uh you can kind of you know get a little bit more personal side of us or whatever um yeah i'm going to be doing twitch streaming i'm also going to be uh kind of launching a craft circle i'm going to call it Ra Ra's craft circle of hell so it's going to be really therapeutic because i want to do stuff that's also very like relaxing and affirming and, and affirmative and just awesome but yeah there's so there's a lot going on for season three and I want y'all to be part of it and our Patreon subscribers are defo going to be getting the best of us so head over to patreon.com slash hot girl agenda and subscribe at the three or five dollar level and hey you can still get a sticker at three dollars so if you have three dollars do that if you got five dollars do that too <laughs> so yeah I have plenty of stickers they're right here see check them out cute they're so cute and thank you again for listening to hot girl agenda thanks y'all <laughs> <laughs>